You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, today, for you anyways, is Friday, which means it is Green Bay Packers Day. First preseason game of the year has finally arrived, and I feel like we should talk about that. Today, what I want to talk about is more than, you know, let me put it this way. Back in the day, let's say before I had a podcast, preseason was mostly about I want to see the starters. And it was kind of interesting to see some of the backups, but half of them I didn't even know who the heck they were. This is back when starters used to play at least a little bit. And so I'd get all amped up, I'd watch the starters, it would be kind of, you know, whatever. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. They'd get out after the first quarter, and then a bunch of people I don't know come in and I start to get bored. And so rather than sitting around and just hoping the Packers win, but also halfway not caring because most of the people that are losing this game are people that are not going to be on the team anyways, and so I can't glean a ton from that, what I want to do is is look at the individuals and say, what do I need to see from you? Need is a little bit of a strong word, but, you know, for everybody, there's there's positives and there's negatives. And of course, the coaches have the same thing. They've got a list of things, you know, that "I, I need to see this from you or that from you or whatever the case may be. So whether it be, you know, here's what I think you need to do to make the team, or here's what I would like to see to make me more comfortable with you as a player on the team. I just want to give you a snapshot of, I guess, what I'm going to be sort of looking for. And I'm actually going to make a list of this, because I know I'm going to forget. So this is all going to be written out. Some players may be skipped. We'll see. But if we end up doing a live stream, which I, I'm, I'm, you know, so that's what I want to do. And I, I'd love to, if I'd have thought of this earlier, get you to call in with your expectations, but by the time I get to it, you know, it's going to be too late. So don't do that. Just save it until you see it, and then we can talk about what you saw and what you liked and what you didn't like and all that stuff. So why don't we start at the top? We're not going to do the whole save the best for last thing. We're going to go position by position right in order. This one is sort of an easy one for me. It's different for different people. I, so I feel like there's kind of two camps from what I've seen. And let's just say it's, it's half and half. There's two kinds of people out there. My camp is, we've seen the wow throws, show me the consistency. Show me that you can play X amount of plays without making a mistake. Overthrows, underthrows, interceptions, bad reads, etc. 
That's my camp, and that is what I'm looking for, number one. The second camp tends to be more, I'm not worried so much about consistency. That'll come over time. Show me that you do have that ceiling. Show me the wow throws. I don't care about the mistakes. I don't care about the overthrows. Show me the off-platform, off you know, off your back foot, roll into your left. Now show me that scramble ability. Show me the, the boot action. Show me all the fancy. Show me your ceiling. Show me how high you can go. And we'll work on cleaning up the rest. And I think to some degree that's fair. My concern, though, is the inconsistencies are what make bad quarterbacks bad quarterbacks. And I get that there's potential that it could get cleaned up. But in my mind, I, 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 I'm already sold on the ceiling. Maybe you're not, and that's why you want to see it more. I've seen it. I know what it is. It's, it's freaking Pat Mahomes is the ceiling. But we're never going to get there without the consistency, and I still haven't seen that. So, again, that's the two camps. Whichever camp you tend to be in, or if you create your own camp over there, your own little uh, community, you can let me know what that community is. But for me... I'm sold, man. I know he's got a wicked arm. I've seen the sidearms between two people to a, to a running back that, it, that you know, he can't even see because the defender's in his face. I've seen the rolling to his left off his back foot, throwing it to where only the person in the end zone can get it. I've seen that throw to, I think it was Jaden Reed, where he's rolling to his right, you know, flick of the wrist, you know, sidearm, perfect dime. That back shoulder to Aaron Jones. I mean, pretty much every single one of his best throws have been dropped, but it doesn't matter. I've seen all of it. And, I, and I, don't get me wrong, I'd love to see more of it. Continue doing that. But if I had to choose between just a clean game like we saw with the Eagles, where there was nothing fancy, but we saw him just execute all the way down the field and drive it in for a touchdown, just do that one time. First time down, and then you can pull him. I mean, I'd love to see it all throughout a game, but that would be my preference over, you know, wicked throw, but three and out. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it got dropped, but hey, that was a great throw. And I, nah. Let's just execute, man. Let's let's lead a drive down the field for a touchdown. In fact, that's what I'm going to write down. Jordan Love leads a drive down the field. That doesn't mean we run the ball and he throws a couple screens and then we get into a touchdown. That has no reflection on Jordan Love. Jordan Love leads the team down the field. We'll reevaluate that after the game. I'll make this list available to my patrons as well once once it's all ready to go. All right, let's talk Sean Clifford. Honestly, obviously, I don't have massive expectations. I heard somebody recently, I don't remember who it was. Oh, uh, geez, Louise. I can picture it. It was, um, who does Monday Morning Quarterback? He did an interview with somebody. They were at Lambeau Field. Anyways, um, she's a writer for The Athletic. Very prominent writer. I cannot remember her name. But her whole contention was, you know that the Packers are in a rebuild because they don't have a backup quarterback that can, you know, go on to win if Jordan Love goes out. And it's like, lady, we have never in our team's history had a quarterback that was qualified to go on to win a Super Bowl if the starter goes out. The closest example we had of that was back in, what, 2012? And that's true of most teams. That has nothing to do with a freaking rebuild. Who has a, a qualified veteran backup ready to rock and roll? I'm sure there's a couple examples, but you know where you're never going to find that example? In Green Bay, Wisconsin. It just doesn't happen. Even what, last year, two years ago, we brought in like two veterans and cut them all. And we left Kurt Bankert in there, and then we decided to cut him. I mean, these, and he can't get a job in the NFL right now. I'm not trying to knock him. I'm just saying he's not a qualified quarterback that's going to come in and do anything in the event of a starter like Aaron Rodgers going out. That's ridiculous. So I don't personally have expectations of I want to see this guy tear it up. My only real expectation for Sean Clifford, it's not even necessarily an expectation, but what I'd like to see 
is honestly what I saw in college. And I know most people are cringing because they hated his college tape. I understand it, but I thought he was a lot of fun to watch, man. I mean, again, he, he has that... He is like Jordan Love's floor. Because he's done all the crazy Pat Mahomes sidearm kind of stuff. He's tough and gritty and makes some crazy throws. But he just doesn't, according to most people anyways, have what it takes to become a starter. And I don't think the Packers expect him to. But I, I want to see a guy that goes out there and has fun. I want to see the grittiness. I want to see the toughness, the competitiveness. And I want to see some crazy throws, man. Sean Clifford's a fun quarterback to watch. And I don't think people realize it. I, I, I genuinely think most people just saw what the draft community said about him when we drafted him. The guy's bad. He's not draftable. And they're like, well, that sucks. He's just garbage. Maybe he is, but the dude's fun. So it's almost the exact opposite of Jordan Love. I do just want to see the wild throws and the wild plays just because I don't think the fan base knows what he's capable of. Alex Magoo, I don't know, man. Number one priority, don't get anybody concussed. Number two, I guess it's kind of the same because he's somewhat similar. He's an athletic dude. He's a fun guy. But I think most of all, when, when Magoo is in, he's going to be throwing to guys that are trying to fight for this team. We're going to be seeing guys, potentially, like Bo Melton, Malik Heath, uh, you know, Deuce Watts, Cody Kress, Jadakus Bonds, Andre Miller. Give them an opportunity to showcase what they can do. That might be unfair to Magoo, but honestly, Magoo's going to the practice squad. I want Magoo to have a good day, because if we go three and out, then I can't see Malik Heath. He may be with Sean Clifford, I don't know, but I, you, know what, you know what I'm saying? So I want him to showcase the talents of, you know, Jadakus and Emmanuel Wilson at running back, maybe Austin Allen, tight end. Aaron Jones doesn't need to show me anything. This is going to be the case for many veterans, if they even play. It literally is just stay healthy. You have nothing to prove to me. I know you can catch, I know you can block, and I know you're an unbelievable runner. Go out there, protect yourself, get out of that game healthy. What about A.J. Dillon? Go ahead and think about it for yourself for a second. See how we line up. Yes, health is important, but that's not quite it. A.J. Dillon, again, my, my absolute favorite story that I heard, which I, I don't know if I can... Let me, let me see if I can confirm this. I can't. That's fine. The bottom line is, though, there, there were some things that were pointed out that needed to be worked on. And um, I'm not saying I need to see everything right away, but, you know, there's just a style of running that I think we all anticipated when we got a guy that is the size of A.J. Dillon. PFF loves him. So maybe he's just being put in really disadvantageous situations. You know, we put him out there to kind of do the rough work and he does better than we expect. It's just, you know, we don't get to see much. I don't really know how that all works. But more than anything, just one time, I want to see somebody come up and try to take out A.J. Dillon and they just, you know, become dust. Is it the most important thing? No, it's not. But it's a facet of your game that I think was expected to be a major part of the game that we honestly have not really seen. Honestly, I think Aaron Jones has been a more, a better power back than A.J. Dillon has been, and that's kind of not super acceptable. For Patrick Taylor, I mean, he, he is the presumed number three as of right now. So on one hand, you could look at it and just say, look, um, just don't lose your job, right? Show that you are that guy. But the weird thing about it is Tyler Goodson has been the everything guy. Matt LaFleur has already talked about it and said for the number three running back spot specifically, we're not even necessarily looking for a pure running back. What we're looking for is a guy that can do all the other stuff. Can you block? Can you catch? Can you do special teams? Tyler Goodson's kind of been that guy. He's done a little bit of special teams, but almost every single note that I have for him is 
running, which is great. You're a running back. But, you know, I, I guess what I need to see is the third down stuff. Something more than the running, right? Demonstrate that you are the best runner, but you got to catch passes. You got to block. Can you do that stuff? For Tyler Goodson, it's almost the exact opposite. In my opinion, he's been the special teamer. And, and I think that is an area where he's going to need to excel because that's going to be potentially your ticket to that number three spot. But considering I'm not going to be able to watch that because it's, you know, unless I go back and see the all 22 on the preseason game, perhaps. Even then, I don't know exactly what to expect of a special teamer, but what we need to see as far as offense is the running. He's been flexed all over the place. He's been put in motion. He's been put in the slot. He's been put out wide. He's catching passes. He's doing all that stuff. And in reality, I think we all love you as a runner. So be that guy, that third down guy. Let's see all that stuff that you're doing. Demonstrate all that. But at the same time, make it very clear that of all the guys not named Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, you are far and away the best runner that we have. Lou Nichols has been out for a week. August 3rd, I got a note here that says Nichols takes two straight hits. He comes out a little shaken up. That's the last we heard from him. I don't know if he's going to be able to play. Let's assume he does, though. I think for him, I'm really looking for that one moment where we realize, okay, this guy's legit. Just one moment. Because I can't ask you in the limited time that you're going to be on the field, if you're even on the field, to demonstrate that you're the best runner, also your receiving ability, also your special teams ability, also your, your blocking ability. You're, you're so far behind Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson. I think the biggest thing that you can do in a limited time would be to just have that one wow moment. And, and for Lou Nichols, he's a really good runner. He's a, he's a powerful dude. He's got a wicked stiff arm. I think something along those lines, a, a big run in which you stiff-arm someone into Hades, just to get us jumping out of our seat. Give us one jumping out of our seat moment. I'm not going to do Emmanuel Wilson or Nate McCrary. Ultimately, all these guys way at the bottom that have almost zero chance. It's going to be sort of the same note. I mean, Technically similar to Lou Nichols, although Lou Nichols I think we have a little bit more expectation for, but not much. He's a late seventh-round pick, but it's just you got to put yourself on the map. Give us a reason to believe you should be put above Lou Nichols, Tyler Goodson, and Patrick Taylor, which I don't think there's anything you could do aside from just, you know, if you have three 20-plus yard carries and a couple touchdowns or something, we might have to reevaluate some stuff here, but I, don't, I, I just don't know that there's a ton that you can do. So, again, the note for Emmanuel Wilson, Nate McCreary, you know, Andre Miller... A lot of the wide receivers, I think, probably most that we don't need to go through. Put yourself on the map. Give us a reason to at least have a couple people in the fan base go, I don't know, dude. I think this this guy could be on the 53. We'll go over a couple of them if I have a few specifics that I think for them could be beneficial. But for a lot of these guys, you know, it is what it is, man. You're not going to make it. So find a way to put yourself on the map. Jimmy Phillips and William Hooper and et cetera, et cetera. That brings us back up to the top with Josiah DeGuara. You know, I think with Josiah, obviously I like him. I think a lot of the fan base likes Josiah DeGuara. But he was never able to separate himself and even put himself, even though most of us thought he might have been better than some of these other guys, the Packers clearly did not feel Josiah DeGuara deserved the same amount of, let's say, status as Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon. Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon, although they served a function, were not exactly, you know, Travis Kelsey-type tight ends. I think for Josiah, it's a matter of, 
are you just a useful piece in this role, this sort of fullback, H-back kind of thing, where you fill the position for now, but as soon as we find somebody that can do it better, we're going to replace you? Or are you a legitimate piece for this offense? Do you have a legitimate role? Not just you're standing in in that role, but we have a role, and you are exactly the right guy for that position. How I'm going to write it in the note is, prove you're the H-back we want, not just the one we have. For Henry Pearson, I don't know. I really don't. I guess there's more curiosity than anything else. Again, is his role the same as DeGuara's? Is it slightly different? Are you a pure fullback? Are we going to use that? There's still an outside chance to me that Henry Pearson makes the 53. It's way outside. But initially, the reason that I thought it is, if he's a fullback, and we want a fullback, and he's the only fullback we have, prior to the Packers saying Josiah DeGuara is now a fullback, then we don't really have a choice but to put him on the 53. So I guess for Henry Pearson, it's define your role. Are you just Josiah DeGuara's backup? Or are you something else? You're a fullback, and you're, you're the only one we got. Tight ends Luke Musgrave. Let's just see the top end, right? I mean, limit the drops, of course. That's been a little bit of a problem. But, I mean, you are sort of the Christian Watson of this, this year's draft. You're a freak. You, you are like a quick wide receiver in a tight end's body. I want to see that in action. I want to see some big play potential. I want to see you running away from linebackers or wide receivers, for that matter. I want to see the speed down the field. You're a different kind of tight end. Demonstrate that. For Tyler Davis, I'm, I'm just going to drop the bar real low. I think last year, most of us, myself included, were very, very much not Tyler Davis fans. At this point in time, it seems as though you are the de facto Mercedes Lewis replacement. So I think from you, it's, it's not about big plays because you're not a big play guy. Let's just be completely honest about this, right? You, you're not super fast, super big, super strong, great blocker, great receiver. What we need from you is fundamentally sound football. I can get the job done. I can do the dirty work. Tucker Craft, I just want to see you, man. Um, look, I, I know it's a it's a tough thing to come in as a rookie and just do stuff. But I mean, we're 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 ready to move into the regular season pretty soon. And as of right now, you're not going to have a major role in that. I mean, you know, things can change as the season goes on. But once the season starts, it gets tough because if Tyler Davis and Luke Musgrave and Josiah DeGuara are the guys then that's what we're game planning for. And if that's what we're game planning for, then that's what we're practicing for, which means you're playing with the backups. It's just hard for you to break into that starting role. Now is the time to just establish yourself and say, no, 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 no. I'm the dude. Put me in week one. Game plan around me. I'm that dude. So we need to see something. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it. Tucker Craft notes. I mean, there's a decent amount here, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not anywhere near what you're getting from, for example, Luke Musgrave or even Jaden Reed. You know, and a lot of these are negative, you know, more all over craft. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just been kind of quiet. And the fact that you got overtaken by Tyler Davis, you know, I mean, it's not the best. We know you got a lot of ability. Just show up. Just sh you know what I want? I want for our guy, Jake Shavink, after this to get in everybody's face. It's not his style, but if you're listening, Jake, I want you to do it. I want everybody to get in all of our faces and say, I flippin' told you that that was the dude, and you didn't listen, and you slept on it, and, oh, Luke Musgrave, <laughs> nope, my guy, I think he was big on Luke, too, but my guy, Tucker Craft, is the guy, and all of you can shave it. He's a polite gentleman. He would never say shove it. I don't know if he would say shave it. I don't even know what that means. Probably shouldn't say that anymore. <laughs>
Jeez. You know, be, I mean, honestly, the excitement for Tucker has gone to zero for me. I sat back and said, you know, when we drafted Sean Ryan in the third round, I said, listen, the Packers dominate offensive linemen, especially in the middle rounds. They suck at the third round. These two things will collide. Which will win? The third round curse or the Packers streak of offensive linemen? The curse has kicked the living crap out of their offensive lineman streak. Tucker Craft comes along, right? Greatest Green Bay Packers draft pick in all of history. If anybody's going to break that curse, it's Tucker Craft. And what's happened? He's drifting into obscurity. Nah, dude. I want that curse to bust forever right in the middle of the field. My only note for Tucker Craft today, break the curse. Today. I, it's, a, it's a tall order, my dude. Can't believe I just said my dude. I'm such an idiot. It's a tall order, dude. Man, Tucker, I don't know who I am anymore. But I'm asking you to do it. I want to watch it shatter right before our very eyes so that we can call each other up and be like, dude, did you see it? That was it. That was the moment. The curse just broke right there. I saw it. I saw it. The cloud of black smoke just emerges and flies into the universe, into the atmosphere. Austin Allen, you know, again, I'm probably not even going to put no put a note for him. He's a practice squad guy, so best of luck, you know, put on some good tape, if not for us, for somebody else. Offensive line, I don't expect Bakhtiari to be out there. If he is, the only note, stay healthy. That also goes for Elton Jenkins. These guys have nothing to prove to me. Just stay healthy. Josh Myers, you know exactly what my note's going to be. Snap the frickin' ball. That's it. Just snap the frickin' ball. Like I said, Josh Myers losing his job at center because he can't snap the football is like a quarterback, like Aaron Rodgers losing his job. Might be a slight exaggeration. It's like Kirk Cousins losing his job because he can't quite get down the handoff exchanges. Like, I mean, he's a great quarterback, but he keeps fumbling every time we hand the ball off. We can't have that. Like, what am I supposed to do? Keep him in there? Do we switch quarterbacks on run plays? That seems like a bad idea. It's the dumbest thing in the world to lose your job over. Hand the ball off. Johnny Runyon? I don't know, man. Um, I, 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 I could sit here and talk about run blocking, but I'm not going to. That's not who you are. You are the guy that I brag about as one of the premier pass blocking guards in football. Demonstrate that. Zach Tom, prove you're the right tackle. I don't know if you can do that in a day, but that's all I want. I, I, I love this offensive line. Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Tom. But I think everybody's jumping the gun with, we know Zach Tom's going to be great. No, we don't. I don't know that he can play anywhere, much less right tackle, guard, center, any of that stuff. I, I have no idea. But I want it to be true very badly. Very promising rookie year. Just, just be that dude at right tackle. Yash Nyman, I don't know. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm obviously not going to ask him to win any of these jobs, even though that is what he's trying to do. He will likely be starting at left tackle in place of uh, David Bakhtiari with the ones. I think, honestly, all I'm asking for is to, to establish that you are a really high-quality backup tackle. I noticed he got worked a little bit against that Bengals defensive line. What I don't want is to walk out of there going, not only should he not be the starting right tackle, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with him coming in even if somebody's injured. My expectations for Yash Nyman is that he's a low-end starter and a high-end backup. And so that's all my expectations for him are, and obviously that starts with pass blocking. Anything above that that you can demonstrate to the class, feel free. Sean Ryan, I think, is a big one because he's kind of the de facto number two left guard, which I don't even think that's necessarily true. I think Royce Newman is sort of our swing backup guard, so that would make him number three. But let's just say he's the de facto number two left guard behind Elton Jenkins. 
prove that you didn't just get that job because there's literally no other human bodies that are out there. Show the progress. Show you took a step. You were one of the worst players we had on this team last year. Don't be that. Jake Hansen's interesting. He was another sixth-round pick along with John Runyon. Um, generally very, I would say, disliked. But I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was, week one, he was our starting right guard, and it was a disaster. 44 overall grade, 60 run blocking grade, but a 14 pass blocking grade, giving up a sack and three hurries in just that one game at right guard. However, it should be noted, and granted, these are not, uh, I think, the best sample we have of him is that Minnesota game. But if we look at his preseason, um, he's actually been pretty decent. I mean, he had about a 70 PFF grade in 2021. Uh, this is preseason. 70 PFF grade in 2022. Graded out fairly well in run and pass blocking. Regular season in 2021, and granted, this is just five pass blocking snaps, but still he had an 80 pass blocking grade. And then in week three, he also came back, played center, had a 74 pass blocking grade, and against the Jets, he played right guard, had a 77 pass blocking grade. Again, the only time he played a significant portion of snaps was against Minnesota, and it was a disaster. But in almost every other instance, he's been like John Runyon. He's been a solid pass blocking option. So, you know... uh, what I'd like to see is a continuation of that. And, and you know, last year he got better every single week. He started off a little bit slow. He played right guard, 54 pass blocking grade. That isn't great. That went up to a 63. And then against Kansas City, and these are significant snaps, 78 grade. He gave up zero sacks, zero hits, two hurries all preseason. He has um, one hit and two hurries for a total of three pressures in his two years in the preseason. He's been a solid football player. So... I mean, I'm torn on Hanson because on one hand, it's like, this guy's a disaster, he can't start for us. On the other hand, it's like, he, what if he could be another Runyon? What if we legitimately have, like, two Runyons? Like, he's, he's not a great run blocker, but dude can pass block for real. And maybe he could, I mean, he had a 77 run blocking grade all through the preseason. Maybe he's, you know, step up. He's not quite as good of a pass blocker, but a legit run blocker. The point is, I just want a continuation of this. I want another game where you look at it and go, see, there it is. Freaking dude's good. And then the week after that, there it is. The week after that, there, you know, continued confidence that it was actually Minnesota that was a fluke and not the other way around. As for Royce, I mean, look, we've seen some flashes. There was a time when people thought this guy could legitimately be a starting tackle in the NFL. You look at his preseason in 2021, he had a 92 PFF grade. I mean, this was very similar to Zach Tom, but it was more than that, right? This is also what makes me hesitant about Zach Tom. I mean, Royce Newman came in and people were like, dude, this is a fourth-round pick, like Zach Tom, that is a legit football player. And then in that preseason, he comes out with a 92 grade, and it's like, this guy is going to be the greatest freaking thing you've ever seen in your life. Then he goes on to play 1,000 snaps in 2021 as a right guard, and he has a 55 grade, 52 run blocking, 60 pass blocking. It didn't really work, right? Okay, well, that sucked. Then he goes back in the preseason, he has a 72 PFF grade. Not the greatest thing in the world, but hey, it's something. You know what I mean? And then the regular season comes back around, he plays 451 snaps, mostly right guard. Again, 57 PFF grade, 57 run blocking, 54 pass blocking. I mean, he's, it's, there's nothing good in any one category. So, so, I mean, honestly, what do you say about that? If Royce has a great preseason, so what? He always does, but it... He, he, the, the guy's played 1,500 snaps in the regular season. 
He didn't have a single good game last year. Let's go back to 2021. He had uh, do five. Five good games, according to PFF. Six times he graded out positively as a pass blocker. Eight times he was 50s or less. Five, 40 or less. Two, 30 or less. In one game, he had a 28 pass blocking grade. He gave up six sacks, five hits, 21 hurries, 32 total pressures in what was uh, maybe his best year. <laughs> so what do you want to see from Royce Newman? He's going to be playing with the twos. Maybe, well, maybe not. He might be the starting left guard uh, in place of Elton Jenkins if Jenkins doesn't play. What do I want to see? I don't know. I guess just be good. It's all I can ask for. I mean, it's not going to move the needle in terms of my opinion because, again, you've always kind of been good in the preseason. Maybe it'll change things if he's running with the ones. I don't know if he was last year or the year before that or what. Probably was because he started the season in 2021. I don't know, man. I don't really know. I, I, I mean, the only thing I can ask you to do is to dominate even if it doesn't really change my opinion. Maybe another way to look at this would be to say that he went from a 92 PFF grade down to a 72. Don't regress further. Because it, it does feel like it's just been a backward slide, you know? From day one, we thought he was going to be great. Then it's like, we don't think he's super great. Then it's, this guy's horrible. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a continuation all the way down. Stop the slide. The only other offensive lineman I want to talk about, I'm going to put in the same category. I'm just going to put them next to each other. Rasheed Walker and Caleb Jones. They're the same guy to me. Not in terms of, you know, play style or anything. It's just, they're both guys that we like. We know that there's some potential. We know that they haven't reached that potential because they're not even really being given opportunities to compete for starting tackle positions. Um, separate yourself. Because I can't tell the difference. I mean, I'm sure when I see Caleb Jones in a uniform, I'll be like, that's freaking Caleb Jones because of his size. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for something. In an ideal situation, let's just say, Rasheed Walker gets finishes the game with like a 72 PFF grade. We're all happy about it. Caleb Jones has a 95, and he's the guy everybody's talking about. It's like, all right, Caleb Jones goes to the top of the list now. It's nothing official, but separate yourself. Anyways, uh, that, that leaves Kadeem Telford, Gene DeLance, James Empey, Cole Schneider, Luke Tenuta. It's, it's pretty straightforward. I don't necessarily think there's a lot of space for you. I've already got 10 guys with Caleb Jones off of it. Again, they're interchangeable, but that, that's, that would mean that there's 11 guys, in my opinion, that are in front of you. These are different positions, but I still believe that to be the case. I'm not going to make any specific notes other than, for all of you, give us a reason to look at this and go, let's take a second look at Mr. Gene DeLance. Let's take a look at Mr. Luke Tenuta or Kadeem Telfer or two of the new guys, Empey and Schneider. What, what was their story again? How did they get here? Where did they come from? What's going on? Otherwise, I got nothing. Uh, perfect timing. Right at about the 30-minute mark. Why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? On the other side, we'll talk about the defense. We'll do the exact same thing. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. You can do so for as little as one measly dollar per month. As I said before, the uh, inconvenience of actually going to Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy and doing all that. So you can just go to Patreon.com and search pack daddy or something. You'll find me. Um, but that's going to be more annoying than that dollar. So please consider it. Talk to your financial advisor. Talk to your spouse. Talk to whoever it is you got to get approval from. And please consider supporting the podcast. It would mean everything to me. Thank you so very much to Jason who jumped in. If I didn't mention it already, Andrew Matson, 
Carlo, Ariano, Eli, and John Stroman. All of you guys jumped in just in the last three days. Really appreciate the support. This is a great time of year. This is when everybody comes back. So if you're back, if you're here, you're ready to rock and roll and you're interested, please consider it. Also, please remember to check out grassfedcooperative.com if you're looking to load up your freezer with some delicious grass-fed, high-quality beef. Head over to grassfedcooperative.com. Use promo code PACKER10. That's capital P, PACKER10. You get 10% off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, folks, let us continue now. Um, defensive side of the ball on the interior. TJ Slayton, in a weird kind of a way, and this may not be entirely true, but he's sort of the the last and only line of defense when it comes to run defense. I don't mean that to be a slight to anybody's ability to stop the run, you know, um, Kenny Clark or whatever, but it seems to me that everybody has been given a very clear ultimatum, and that is get up the field as fast as you possibly can. I understand that many Packer fans believe, believed, whatever, that T.J. Slayton can rush the passer or whatever. That is not really a very realistic thing. What I want T.J. Slayton to be is what he was brought in here to be, which is to be the guy that clogs up space and helps allow these guys to be aggressive while also making sure there's nowhere to run. I want to see the run defense, period. And for the record, that goes for Jonathan Ford as well. I don't know that he makes the 53, so that makes it pretty critical for him. And no, I don't expect pass rush. I mean, if he does it, great. But I, I, I just genuinely don't think the Packers are going to look at it and go, dang, dude, he got a sack? He can stop the run and get sacks? They're going to look at it and say, it's freaking preseason, that doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't, I'm not counting that. For all four of the interior guys that are going to be on the 53, it's just a matter of getting pressure. I just want to see it. We've been hearing about it all camp. Clark, Wyatt, Wooden, Brooks, nonstop. That's all we've heard about. Show it. I want to see it. As for Slayton, Luan, and Moultrie, the other three defensive tackles that we have on the team, um, I don't know that there's necessarily a spot left. However, 
There might be an outside chance that you can replace Jonathan Ford just because I don't know that he really provides all that much. The problem is I'm pretty sure all three are built in the exact same mold as the rest of the defensive ends. I think Chris Slayton is is like a shade over 300 pounds. Lawan I think, is at 200. Moultrie is like 280. He might as well be, you know, Colby Wooden. So I'm not exactly sure. I mean, if they come out and, like, let's say Chris Slayton, because I feel like he was kind of on the bubble. Let's say he comes out and has a great day as a pass rusher. Is he going to make it? And over who? Is it possible that they run with six defensive tackles and only one of them is a nose tackle in TJ Slayton? I mean, maybe. So I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I guess I want them to separate themselves from each other. Other than that, I, I don't know what it is they can do that would make me think at the conclusion of that, maybe they've got a shot at making the 53. At edge, I have no expectation of Rashawn Gary playing. Even if he is back to full health, they're not going to throw him out there in a preseason game. Um, Preston, I'm not going to sit here and say that Preston Smith is the greatest pass rusher in the world, but I also don't know that there's really anything he could do in the preseason that would make me think that this is going to be somewhat of a standout performance. I think we know what Preston is. I think we know what his range is in terms of he could have a great year, he could have a subpar year. And I don't think this one game is going to really give us a very clear picture of that. So I guess just stay healthy. For Justin Hollins, I would like him to demonstrate to me why it is he has been given so much love by the Green Bay Packers. I just want to see it. I want to see something. Show me what it is that, that's got you put as the number two pass rusher this entire OTA training camp period. For Kingsley and Igbari, I want to see a little bit of a step. Technically, he doesn't need to take a step considering we have so many guys that are probably going to be in front of him. What he was last year is good enough to be sort of a number four, number five rotational edge rusher. But still, it's year two in the system. It's year two in the NFL. Take a step. And then, oh boy, and then. Then we get to Lucas Van Ness. The only thing I require of Lucas Van Ness is that he allow me to live in my world of, del- of delusion. I have got myself whipped up in such a frenzy over Lucas Van Ness. It's not going to take much, man. Just just give me like two plays. I don't know how long he's going to be out there, but you get like a couple really good pass rushes. You know, if you can turn in one sack or like a hit in a hurry or call it three hurries, right? We'll say a, a hurry's worth one, a hit's worth two, a sack's worth three. I mean, honestly, that none of that really matters. I, I just want to see that you're better than the guy across from you. I want to see that speed, that power, that explosiveness. I saw it on family night. We heard it was on display against the Bengals. Just let it be true for one more day. The only other guy that I'd be interested in really talking about is Brenton Cox. I don't necessarily know that he's actually separated himself from Aaron Mosby, Keyshawn Banks, or Kenneth Odomegbu, but he's the guy that's got all the hype. So the other three, I'm not massively interested. I mean, Kenneth a little bit, but I, I don't super care about the other three. If they do something today, then we'll start talking about them for next time. But Brenton Cox is the guy that had all the hype coming in. I've got like three notes on Brenton Cox through this entire training camp. I've barely heard his name, and some of them are about how he's getting beat. So only two positive notes through all of training camp and OTAs. Show me something. Anything. Linebackers. Quay Walker, I just I, I need to see a big jump. Last year it looked disjointed. I want to see you in control and in command. I want to watch and make it feel like you know exactly what you're doing out there. 
in the couple instances that I saw Quay in the in the couple little clips that I've seen of him, it looked like the game was slow. Like he he's out there jogging to do his job. Not not in a bad way. I mean in terms of like this is so easy, this is so stupid. I want to see that continue. For McDuffie and Wilson, I want them to stay exactly who they are. I don't, I don't have any critiques. I'm not going to ask them to take a big jump. I'm not going to ask them because I, d- I don't think there's a jump to be made. I think they're maxed out. But I appreciate what they are as to, in terms of special teams and in terms of their abilities on defense. Just keep being who you are. And that brings us to our buddy Tyreek. I don't know, man. The only thing I can say is be sensational. I mean, freaking sensational. Because that's the only way you're going to make it. Because as I've been saying for a while now, I mean, I don't see a path. I really don't. At corner, don't really expect Jair to play, but I'll just throw in be healthy. Honestly, I'm just going to say the same thing for Razul Douglas. I mean, it's Razul, man. I don't need to see anything. After that, though, it does get interesting. Valentine has been the clear... Up to this point, number three boundary corner in the absence of Eric Stokes. That's pretty crazy for a rookie. We've also got Corey Ballantyne that's been hanging in there. Keandre Thomas, who I kind of thought might be the leading candidate for a while. And then Tyrell Ford and William Hooper. But Valentine, Ballantyne, maybe a little bit Keandre. I want to see it. In fact, forget Keandre. No offense. Valentine, Valentine, duel to the death. Because as much as I think Valentine has become that guy, I think he could very easily lose it. The, the preseason is where it's at. And if Valentine comes in and balls out and Valentine's giving up passes left and right, he loses his job instantly. So, I mean, that's something in and of itself to keep an eye on. How do these guys hold up? It's probably not going to be fair. I mean, if, if Jair doesn't play, what would be interesting is if Razul and Jair don't play and Valentine and Valentine are right next to each other or if they both do, or whatever. But what's probably maybe going to happen is that you're going to have these guys a little bit split up. Maybe for a while they're on their on the same team, but you might have Valentine going up against a premier Bengals wide receiver, if he even plays, and Valentine going up against a second, third stringer. But still, I do think that's one of the heated competitions for this preseason game, for this training camp, and this offseason period. And then in the slot, it just comes down to Shamar and Ennis Gaines. Same exact thing. And in fact, I don't know 100% Keyshawn's the dude. I mean, he's basically the dude. Almost guaranteed the dude. But again, he's not a lockdown corner. I wouldn't even necessarily say he's a super good corner. He's kind of a average to potentially subpar corner. So Shamar and Innes Gaines are in a battle with each other. If they freaking ball out, I mean, Keyshawn's our backup slot and our primary kick returner. I have no issues with that. Safety. Darnell Savage. Your job is to be the clear number one safety, right? We've got a bunch of guys that we feel like probably aren't really legitimate starters. Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Traverius Moore, Dallin Levitt, Anthony Johnson, Benny Sapp. These are guys that we kind of expect to be somewhat of disasters. Maybe not Rudy Ford. But nobody's looking at these guys saying, oh man, we, we got a guy here. A couple people are jacked up about Anthony Johnson. Who knows? He's a rookie. Maybe he could become something. But the point is, nobody really expects those things. At best, they're placeholders until you can replace them with somebody else in the upcoming draft or find a free agent or whatever. 
Your job is to not be that. Your job is to not be just one of these guys we can't wait to replace. You're going to be on a completely other level compared to everybody else. After that, I mean, I, I kind of feel like it's a... Well, maybe, maybe, legitimately, it's more of a two-way battle for the, for the number two spot between Ford and Owens. So I think for those two, I'm going to say establish yourself for the number two spot. And Tarverius Moore, it's re-enter the conversation. Because it used to be Savage and Ford are the clear number ones. Then you've got Owens and Moore that are kind of two and three, kind of by default, because Anthony Johnson's a rookie and hasn't done anything, and Dallin Levitt's basically just a special teamer, although he's probably more valued than you guys. He's not really as good of a safety as you guys, etc., etc. Now it's Ford and Owens, and Tervarius Moore is kind of in no man's land. They probably like him more as a safety than Dallin Levitt, but they don't like him more than Dallin Levitt, I don't think. Maybe they do, I don't know. Dallin Levitt is kind of twofold. Number one, your value is essentially irreplaceable on special teams. You need to firmly establish that, right? Don't be outpaced by half the team on special teams. But then secondarily, I'm legitimately starting to wonder if that's not good enough. Maybe I'm just overthinking it, but he just seems to continually be moving further and further down the depth chart, and more and more guys seem to be getting pushed into that spot. Maybe we just run with, you know, six safeties and you got Ford and Savage and Owens and Moore and Levitt and Johnson. I don't know. But, um, and maybe Johnson goes on practice squad, Anthony Johnson, the rookie. It would seem relatively unlikely, but maybe. But, um... It wouldn't hurt if you could show that you are maybe viable as a safety. And then for Anthony Johnson, it's kind of similar to Brenton Cox. Put yourself on the map. You know, there's a lot of buzz, a lot of hype. Um, he was supposed to be that dude. I mean, he oh yeah, he should have been gone. Which, by the way, no offense, every single year, half, if not more, of the people that were drafted in later, you know, sixth round, seventh round quote-unquote, should have gone earlier or should have been gone by the fourth round, the third round. That's everybody. That's Carrington Valentine. That's Anthony Johnson. That's Lou Nichols. It's Brenton Cox. Kingsley and Igbare. I mean, pretty much everybody we've drafted after the fourth round in the last two years, quote-unquote, should have been gone a long time ago. Somebody graded them high. Right? Somebody always does. There's always a guy that really liked them and had them high on their rankings. Most probably didn't. So let me put it this way. Most of the time, when I hear a 7th rounder is a guy that should have been gone a long time ago, they end up playing much more like a 7th rounder than whatever fictitious round that people believe he should have gone in earlier. But, everybody insists, no, Anthony Johnson's different. This is not like all the rest. I mean, he's a legit, like, he could actually play immediately today he's a plug-and-play starter great i love it i'm excited about it we need safeties the competition level is zero you should be able to establish yourself as a safety he's not been able to do that so far in fact most of the notes that i've seen is him basically getting cooked um i want to be excited about you right i haven't had that opportunity i've been able to get excited about you know Jaden reed and luke musgrave colby wooden carl brooks Lucas Van Ness. Haven't really had an opportunity to get excited about Anthony Johnson. And I'd like to get excited about Anthony Johnson, especially considering how much help we need in that department. Give me a reason to get excited about you. Put yourself on the map.
And then finally, special teams. I mean, these are really pretty self-explanatory because every special teamer is kind of like, you know, corners and everything else. Your job is to be perfect. That's what I expect. I shouldn't even say expect. That's what needs to happen for you. No shanked punts. No terrible high snaps on field goals. No missed field goals. Right? If, if Anders, if you miss like a 55-yarder, we'll let it slide. Kind of. But, you know, that's it. Just do the thing and do it well. Daniel Whelan, we heard about your big leg. Just crush the ball. Pat O'Donnell, I don't think you have as big of a leg, but you're the crafty veteran. Just get out there and be a punter. Just look like a normal punter. I, I, I don't want to have to know you exist. That's the thing about special teamers. I don't want to have to think about you, aside from kickers. When you're kicking a field goal, obviously it's all-encompassing. That's all I can think about is this kicker in front of me. But when, when we're punting, I'm still stewing about the fact that we just went freaking three and out. I don't want to have to remember that you exist, dude. The punt is just like an automatic thing. It just punt goes up in the air, and as long as I don't hear the announcer go, oh, that's a short kick then I don't care. It's just a kick. It doesn't matter if it's like a super long kick or a slightly above average, below average. It doesn't really matter. I don't really notice. I only notice when you really suck at your job. So don't suck at your job, right? I don't want to see the punter jumping way up in the air to have to catch the snap. Don't need that. Same with the holding. Get the ball down, okay? Just do it. Just don't mess up. So that's about it. I got to get out of here. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.